0: In the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Well, Chris O'Brien is on
1: special assignment, and you'll hear a little bit about that in this weekend's episode of our After the Paracast podcast. But we do have a special guest here. He is not the guest that you might have expected because that show has been postponed for a while, but you will hear. One of my old dear friends, and he's not getting any older. He seems to live forever. He is Alan Greenfield. Welcome back to the Paracast.
2: I'm not getting any older? Oh no, all these people that are the same age as me are dying off like flies. Okay, I intend to stay around as long as my mother did, and that was pretty long.
1: Within a year or two of your age, David Bowie. Yes. Alan Rickman. Yes. Annette?
2: She died a year
1: ago. No, she just she, died.
2: Oh, well, I heard she died a year ago, but that that's from standing in line at the grocery store. Okay, was she sixty-nine too? That's she was seventy. 40. Ah, well, she was an old nut. look, let's look at it this way. Bill Clinton is still kicking and Sylvester Stallone is still making muscle movies. He was a nineteen forty-six child. And I don't know about Cher, the things in line say she's dying. But then they said Bob Hope was dying for 10 years before he actually uh, shuffled off to Buff. And let's see, who else? Oh, Donald Trump. There's the good news or the bad news, depending on where you're coming from. You're in Arizona, so I guess it's good news for most of your Arizona friends. But Trump is 69 and a little older than me by a couple of months. But I'm in excellent health other than strains from my rigid exercise regimen, and the girls seem to like me, and I... What can I say? I've lived a full life so far.
1: You sound like you're going to break into song and sing my way.
2: No, that's one of those songs that only people who are about to die sing, so I'm more into the old man riba, Tired of living?
1: Uh Uh-uh, no singing, we have to pay for the rights. But... David Bowie once sang a song based on the same melody that Paul Anka acquired when he wrote My Way, but it had
2: different lyrics. Well, that's astonishing, and uh, I hope that uh, the uh, various states settle that. Is Paul Anka still alive, or is he—my son has a beach movie out now called The Sand. It's the standard beach movie, but with the Roger Corman twist. Uh, the sand eats the people on the beach after they, you know, flash their, you know.
1: Well, it looks like here, Paul Anka is 74 years of age. He's still alive. I don't know if his brother Andy is or not. He had a younger brother, Andy Anka, whom I knew years ago. Mm. He was a songwriter. And as a matter of fact, he wrote a couple of songs that my wife sang.
2: Wow, that's impressive. But then did they make the local hit parade? You know, one of the songs that she
1: sang, not written by Andy Anka, but someone else, that one actually got some airplay Mm. around the country, but we couldn't generate sales from that. And since we were talking about David Bowie, here's the David Bowie connection. We have, of course, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, and the two degrees of David Bowie are the fact that one of the keyboard synthesizer developers that he worked with in Let's Dance, a guy named Rob Sabino, who played with Chic and with Madonna. He produced a couple of sessions for my wife, Rob Sabino.
2: Mm. Well, I can tell you this. It's about all I can say about David Bowie, although I liked his music uh, from the beginning. And, you know, he, he had space themes pretty much throughout, although his brand new album that came out just a few days ago uh, obviously was in anticipation of death, as the IRS uh, likes to put it. And uh, I think that Bowie, the response around the world, is the largest I've seen since John Lennon was assassinated and uh, for a musician. And that is quite something. I mean, I would not have expected that. He was certainly, you know, a, a major musical influence. But nevertheless, uh, he, you know, to get that, that level of response shows something about the, uh, the public mind. And uh, I, you can only respect that kind of uh, outpouring that has happened worldwide.
1: I was kind of lucky. My son, Grayson, and I saw one of his last concerts in Phoenix, Arizona, way back in the early 2000s. He suffered a heart attack a few months later, and stop touring forever.
2: Yeah, well, he was a cokehead, so uh, that's not real surprising. I've been drug-free, so perhaps uh, I uh, will avoid that sort of thing. Anyway, now, let's go to something that we know something about, and I have a question for you. Well, before I answer
1: your question, before you ask it, you asked me to speak about things that we ask to question you about what you did last night.
2: Uh Uh-huh. Well, I didn't prompt you, uh, but uh, we'll go for that. Okay. Last night, uh, this guy has been trying to get me to go on his podcast for a long time, and we just could not come up with a date. Uh, um, I'm... Often like the uh, substitute when the uh, aliens abduct the primary guests. So I've probably done that more times on more programs than I care to uh, mention or think about since it implies something or other that probably doesn't lead to fame. But uh, uh, last night, I, uh, he said that he was going to do not just the podcast, but do a live projection uh, uh, scenario from a comedy club in San Francisco. And he wanted me to invoke a demon f- live for the audience. And, uh, the last time I did anything like that was for a, uh, a radio program in Portland. And I did it reluctantly, but, uh, the, it blew up a huge storm, which the host of the show who, uh, Is sort of a conspiracy buff, we'll put it that way, so I get invited back. And something happens whenever I'm on his program. He kind of blamed me, and since some people were killed in the storm, I would like to think that it was destined to be an out-of-season tornado, even though there's no climate change. Uh, But by doing the ritual that I did, invoking the great angel Metatron, I reduced it from a tornado to just a heavy wind and thus spared many of my great friends up there in Portlandia. Um, But uh, anyway, so I I, I mentioned that before I did the very same ritual for the uh, people gathered in the comedy club. And uh, of course, I hammed it up considering the venue. I mean, I wasn't going to be dry, but I did it. Uh, It was – they had me projected on a screen, so I had on my uh, uh, Episcopal drag, as I like to call it. Plus, uh, my son Randall has this hat with a tassel on top that uh, I think his girlfriend knitted for him. So I put that on, too, because I don't have any headpiece or headgear for the stuff that I do. And it looked appropriately silly, but I did the full invocation – and I got very serious when I did. And it was reported to me by the, um, the gentleman who invited me on the program. Wow, the audience felt exhilarated afterwards, and it was a great thing. So the notion of doing magical ritual effectively at a distance, cross-country, 3,000 miles away, uh, seems to be once again proven to be the case.
1: You know, I have to ask you a thousand questions based on what you just said. But we have to do a break. But first, let me remind our listeners, we do have that second radio show called After the Powercast. It's part of something we call The Powercast Plus. Go to plus.thepowercast.com, p l u s.thepowercast.com. In fact, even the dogs like it. You hear the dogs in the background in the neighborhood. They love After the Powercast, some of our biggest fans. But seriously speaking, we offer it for a low month to month, annual, five year annual subscription rate. The ad free version of this show after the Paracast, videos, show transcripts, lots more. We've got Alan Greenfield joining us. Chris O'Brien is on special assignment. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> I know that a lot of our listeners are interested in UFOs, the issue of giant skeletons found in America, paranormal investigations, and what the top researchers think about such topics. One online magazine has been presenting such unusual information since 1985. It is Alternate Perceptions Magazine at apmagazine.info. Use their search function to find articles on just about every topic imaginable. That's apmagazine.info
3: You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code George for a substantial discount.
5: My name is Don Wiskin, and at 42 years old, I suffered a massive heart attack and was told I'd be on disability for the rest of my life. What did I do? I created Extendivite, a garlic and cayenne mix of seven herbs which rebuilt my heart and gave me back my life. For over 17 years now, I have made this formula available to you so you don't have to suffer the same thing I did. Clean your blocked arteries and strengthen your heart and boost your natural immune system. I'm 60 years old now, and I still work every day. To get your Extendivite, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822, or visit heartdrop.com. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply of either capsules or liquid. Extend your life with Extendivite.
2: Dover
6: So you've got to take a state construction license exam or certification. Can't decide on what books or what chapters to study? Discover right now how you can eliminate unnecessary books and wasted study time. At ContractorExam.com, our study materials zero in on state-required test topics in an effective, multiple-choice format. So whether you're a plumber, electrician, general contractor, or other construction-related trade, ContractorExam.com will help get you prepared. Visit us at www.ContractorExam.com today.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
1: Alan Greenfield is someone I've known for many, many decades. In fact, there has to be a story somewhere along the line about how we first met, but I can't remember it. I just think we started writing letters to one another.
2: Well, it started with you writing me a letter accusing me of anti-Semitism since I was at the in the process of packing for my trip to Israel, I thought was a little odd, but I, I remember that it was like from a secondhand comment or something. And then we corresponded. And then, of course, all through the 1960s, you and I uh, got together mostly on around New Year's Eve uh, in Times Square. I would always come up to the, I think, the, the New York Hilton in those days and we would get together a number of us uh, one time it got went on so long I think it was 72 hours non-stop everybody else had left Dave Halpern who I just saw at the uh, National UFO Conference reunion about six months ago and he's living down here in the south actually anyway apparently it was so alarming your father showed up to make sure I wasn't <laughs> hadn't tied you up or whatever it was and since you were a bodybuilder at the time I think probably it would have been more the other way around but your dad showed up and uh we were fine but we were both you know on the edge of sleep and I remember that I woke up in the middle of a sentence and I was saying and did you know Columbus was Jewish to this day I have no idea what the first part of that sentence was
1: You know, I'd like to know what kind of vivid dream you were having at the time. But this was one of the sessions there, one of these all-night gab fests. Nobody present at this particular point of time. You and I talking, you've got a copy of The Incomplete Enchanter, the first of a series of books by Sprague de Camp and Fletcher Pratt about somebody who was able to go into another reality where the laws of magic take force. And, of course, that's formed the basis of fantasy novels and occasional things on TV over the years going to other realities. But from that, we fabricated a whole scenario where UFOs, instead of being spaceships, were really close to us in another reality. Can you bring the memories back to our listeners?
2: Oh, yeah. You know, um, I still have that copy The 35-cent paperback of uh, DeCamp and Pratt's The Incomplete Enchanter. There's since been two revised, revised editions of the Harold Shea series, The Complete Enchanter. And then there's one more recent that I haven't seen that is even more complete, I suppose. You know, these are C-O-M-P-L-E-A-T, like my... The Complete Rite of Memphis. I don't know that anybody knows the complete C-O-M-P-L-E-T-E Rite of Memphis uh, because I think there are 360 degrees and we only have 97 of them available to us but all 97 of the available ones plus a few extra and how to explore further are in the book. But any, anyway, uh, yes, I think that book had an enormous influence on me in the early 1960s and as time went on I think that we all started out with either these are extraterrestrial craft. And in those days, we could still speculate easily that maybe from Mars. uh, That's become sort of more difficult now, although people keep seeing funny stuff on Mars. Well, you Um, know, of
1: course, we have a character now on the new Supergirl TV show called Martian Manhunter, an old DC Comics character.
2: Yes. Well, the the comics character is familiar to me. I tend to avoid superhero stuff. I take the line from the late, great Gil Scott Heron, there ain't no such thing as a Superman. I, I guess I'm just, I've always been a fan of science fiction, but plausibility has to be in there, and I am sort of avoid all the superhero stuff. So I'm out of touch with the times, but I think more in touch with the actual reality, even though uh, your little logo says you are a Superman. And indeed, you are, because you have continued to do important work uh, through all these years, as I would like to think have I. And it is. Gosh, it's 50 years, you know?
1: It's more than that, my friend.
2: Well, I'm I'm trying to calculate, but let's see. 1962, 63, somewhere in there. I I know that I met Timothy Greenbeckley first. Well, 53
1: years. Let's do that. You're counting 53 years from 1962. Okay, let me do that. 2015, actually 54 years now.
2: More than half a
1: century. I think our listeners are wondering where he's going with that.
2: Yes, well, I'm going on into this century, and uh, we'll see how far we can take it. I want to be on Mars, so I'm sort of a little out of sync with the times, because were I 10 years younger, that might be a possibility. But, you know, uh, Mars needs women, and let's face it, there aren't any there that I know of. So, Well, maybe there's
1: a female Martian manhunter. To go back... Let's go back to the theory, though. Let's be serious and let's be straight here and keep the answers relatively short. And that is, okay, so we have this theory here about UFOs from alternate realities. But let's back up a little bit. Why posit that they're not spaceships and that they are from a neighboring reality that we just cross over
2: to? Because they don't fit the profile of what one would expect even from an advanced civilization from another planet. For one thing, if you delve deeply enough into it, they seem to be a part of the history of the earth going back as far as you care to go. I detest things like the ancient astronaut, just the term, um, um, it it makes me cringe. But uh, the fact is that things that could be classified as UFOs or flying saucers, including landing and abduction cases, stated in terms of the you know the, the cultural milieu of the times, go all the way back to cave paintings. And uh, that doesn't mean they don't go back further than that, but it does mean that at least as long as human beings have in any way expressed themselves, this has been a part of our reality. Uh, Hardly something that would be the equivalent of the conquistadors coming to the new world, uh, which we may be grateful for. The the other aspect of it is that there is a kind of a a -a peekaboo effect that goes on in cases you don't land from another planet, and I think uh, John Keel was the first one to point this out, maybe at one of our uh, New Year's events, because uh, the late, great, great Jim Mosley used to drag uh, Keel along in the uh, days, in the run-up to his giant saucer show at the late Commodore Hotel, which Donald Trump tore down and built something else. But hey, uh, you know... Okay, so before see,
1: we start with that, Donald Trump is at fault. Everything that's going to happen now, anything that happened in New York City, it is Donald Trump's fault. If he's elected president, it's really his fault.
2: If he's elected president, which may very well happen, uh, I think we are in very, very serious trouble. We will have
1: a serious problem if we don't do our break right now. We have Alan Greenfield, an old friend of mine, we're reminiscing But taking this to the UFO paranormal area very closely, and we'll get into more of that in a moment with alternate realities. Chris O'Brien's on special assignment. I'm Gene Steinberg. He's Alan Greenfield. You're in...
2: a Paracast!
7: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
6: If you're like me, you're concerned about the stock market and the economy. You're asking the questions, but it just doesn't seem that you're getting the right answers. Well, my friends at the Wealth Preservation Institute not only have the answers, but they've put together a free report, How to Survive the Upcoming Economic Collapse and Protect Your 401K's IRA Savings and Retirement Income. Don't hesitate. This report's for free for a limited time by calling 888-772-2929. That's 888-772-2929. Take back your financial lives today.
3: You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code George for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more. And this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. ParanormalDate.com. And use the code George if you decide to connect with someone you like
8: owe $10,000 or more to the IRS, get on board with the tax admiral. Don't pick on the IRS alone. I'll cut penalties and reduce your overall tax bill sometimes. I can even get it zeroed out completely. We're an A-rated company helping people clean up their
9: mess with the IRS.
8: If you owe $10,000 or more, then call the tax admiral.
9: Call 800-287-7180. Again, that's 800-287-7180. 800-287-7180.
12: Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of this book is from the future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: Chris O'Brien's on special assignment. He'll be with us when we do this weekend's episode of After the Paracast, part of the powercast plus special package go to plus.thepowercast.com to learn more we have alan greenfield and we're going into the genesis of the alternate reality theory and we're talking about ufos that seem to wink in and wink out and don't seem to behave in the way you feel they behave if they were et
2: uh, that's correct. I think also they, uh, the behavior is something that you should focus on. They seem to, as I put it, play peekaboo. They, um, um, they uh, wear masks and don't behave in a manner that uh, would be consistent with uh, uh, extraterrestrial explorers.
1: Well, there why were- do you say that? We don't know what extraterrestrial explorers would be like we're just guessing they
2: don't say fix me a pancake that would be just uh that's more fairy-like than euphonaut like now of course you could always argue that but they appear and disappear yes you might have technology that does that yes a truly advanced technology would be indistinguishable from magic but why hang out here, winking in and out, resembling fairyland, taking people to places that time works differently and that, that uh, seem to uh, uh, resemble earlier cases such as the Venusberg legends in Europe where someone is taken into a fairy hill or an elf hill and is there for a night and a day and emerges 100 years later? Same kind of lore in a different context. We've interviewed people together that are like that. Uh, Ralph Leal, I kind of hope you still have that interview somewhere buried. But uh, his experience sounds like a homespun legend. But he did not strike me as the sort of person who had uh, extreme literacy in. Uh, European folklore, and yet his story is right out of European folklore and uh, resembles those instances many years ago that uh, are more of the Rip Van Winkle variety than of the uh, Day the Earth Stood Still variety.
1: Ralph Lale, it was a character that we met at the foot of Brown Mountain, had this little, what, trinket
2: shop? Outer something? Space Rock Shop Museum. Right. Okay. What I look for in uh, outrageous cases like his, because he claimed to have been taken into Brown Mountain and then off to uh, another planet where uh, he had interesting adventures, and uh, I believe it was the planet Piwam, and then returned to Earth. He showed some relics of his his trips, uh, but. What I look for when you have a case like that or John Reeves or the two uh, fishermen in, uh, as they were called, in Pascagoula, Mississippi, um, they, the two fishermen who were actually uh, shipbuilders at that time, so they uh, I don't know why they always refer to as fishermen, or the John Reeves case in Brooksville, Florida, is if the story is outlandish but the person seems absolutely sincere— true in all those cases, are there supporting cases in the surrounding countryside? And I interviewed other people on a couple of occasions around Brown Mountain and in those two other cases, and there are indeed other close encounter cases in the area. Not contact cases, but uh, close encounters with, uh, with flying saucers that are unmistakably that as opposed to uh, lights in the sky. And that tends to uh, add credence to the, uh, to the primary case. And uh, in all of those instances, I think that something very strange occurred. Why there should be particular areas that are visited by whatever is much more easily explained since they have no particular reference to outer space and are all only seen near the Earth, um, why they would have uh, an attraction to those places doesn't correspond to any understanding that I have of uh, prolonged uh, visits from another planet. But it does correspond to the notion of portals from other realities. And when I first started saying that uh, in the 1960s with my uh, alternate horizons newsletter and other things of that time i didn't have any good theoretical basis to to speak about that and I, i i was never comfortable with the term alternate dimensions or other dimensions because what does that really mean um but um since then i've become aware of the um the um multiple worlds uh Solution of quantum theory and it, uh, it dovetails with that a lot because not only are there apparently um, many other worlds, there are two interpretations, one is a specific number of other brains, B-R-A-N-E-S, or uh, another one is that there are an infinite number of other brains. They are so closely aligned that they literally are sitting there in the room with you and with me. And perhaps that explains not just UFOs, but also psychic phenomena, ghosts, apparitions, all kinds of things that uh, monsters, um, uh, all sorts of things that are seen and then disappear, only to be seen again. Um, and when you find a universal theory that things fit into, multiple things fit into, it strengthens the uh, the theoretical underpinning because. If that, in fact, is the way the, the universe or better omniverse uh, is in existence, it follows that there will be times and places where there is uh, sort of a an overlap or a merger, whether intentional or otherwise. And, of course, there is the fact that uh, 10 years after I got into ufology, um, although my interests went back. Uh, to the same period i began to be involved in ceremonial magic and a lot of that is portal working uh, the, the idea of opening portals to angelic or demonic uh other wares which i don't the latter i don't encourage uh, anybody to do but uh, nevertheless um i've done reasonably scientific experiments with that that is uh, under controlled circumstances and uh, something very weird happens that is suggestive of deliberately opening and closing a portal to to elsewhere.
1: Before we go on, Alan, I really want you to explain that. But let me throw out one more thing before you do that, and probably this will carry over to our next segment. And that is, when we talk about alternate realities, we sometimes think of mirrors of our own world, like an Earth 2, like in the TV series Fringe. We had an alternate reality where it was... The same people, but they were a little bit different, and the civilization was a little bit different. As a matter of fact, in the TV show based on the comic book Flash, they have like an Earth 2. There's another Flash there. There are counterparts to characters in this reality. So we've got a minute before we do our break so we can start this and pick it up on our next segment. We're talking here of another reality being a totally different place. But is there possibly a semi-duplicate of Earth
2: in another reality, a parallel Earth? Yes, absolutely. In fact, one version of the multiple worlds theory is that we are constantly making decisions which split off different realities. Do this or do that. Open the door or don't open the door. Well, in one reality, we open the door. In the other reality, we don't. And then an enormous number of very the, the peculiarity of that is, because it's an easy thing to say or to describe in fictional terms, is there are objective scientific tests on a micro scale, and the only argument is, is this applicable to the macro world as well as the micro world?
1: Let's explain that in our next segment, because this warrants more than 10 seconds. Chris O'Brien's on special assignment. We have Alan Greenfield. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the
2: PowerCast.
7: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today
13: conspiracy journal is your number one source for the hidden world of the weird and strange we bring you thought-provoking and controversial material for free-thinking individuals who are seeking what is really going on in our world today some of this material may adversely affect you other pieces are meant to enlighten Either way, be prepared to be intrigued by such things as the reality of UFOs, ghosts, strange creatures from time and space, hidden conspiracies, time travel, Nikola Tesla, suppressed technology, and a whole lot more. You can find out more by visiting our website at conspiracyjournal.com. There you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter sent directly to your email address. Find out what they don't want you to know.
14: Why be held hostage by your wireless carrier for two years? What if you had no contract, no activation fees, no hidden costs, tracking, tracing, harvesting customer data, or draconian gimmicks? All on the nation's best 4G LTE network. Introducing PIX Wireless. Bring your phone and other qualifying devices to PIX and choose a plan starting at only $14 a month. Get connected now. Call or click 1-866-267-2056 or PIXWireless.com. Spelled P-I-X, wireless.com. Pick PIX and get connected today.
17: Ted Anderson telling you about Jordan Rubin's Beyond Organic Green-Fed Raw Cheddar Artesian Cheese featuring whole milk created through ancient dairy breeding, unpasteurized, untreated whole milk on the same farm the cows graze, containing natural sources of omega-3s, CLA protein, calcium, probiotics, and enzymes. I have never tasted cheese this good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. Rainier Distillers
5: designs and builds custom copper stills for home purification of water, distilling alcohol, essential oils, cannabis oil, and ethanol fuel. Use these distillers at home to remove all those nasty chemicals that are added to your public drinking water by fluoridation, resulting in pure, safe drinking water for you and your family. Call distillers.com at 360-446-8998 and check out their website at rainierdistillers.com, located in Seattle, Washington.
16: This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: Alan Greenfield is joining us, and we're going to talk about how he invokes these various spells in a little while, but now he's trying to frame the structure and how this alternate reality stuff works. Please go ahead, sir.
2: Okay, let me, let me see if I can uh, describe it. Because there is no one way that uh, alternate realities manifest and there's no one agreed to scientific theory in one theory there are and it's a uh, based on a mathematical proposition of quantum mechanics there are a limited number of other brains so to speak that being the case whatever other realities they are although they may follow entirely different rules of physics and in, and be uh, completely different from uh, who we are and what we are. Nevertheless, there aren't an infinite number of them, and there certainly are unlikely to be other us's there or similar things. Um, I'm kind of fond of the little movie uh, Another Earth, which uh, depicts the notion of a, of a uh, an Earth duplicate showing up, not Necessarily from another reality, but of course it defies our laws of physics. So I suppose if you tried to do physics underpinning of that, it would be um, almost necessary to look at it in that way. uh, Another version of the same theory is that there are an infinite number of alternate realities. And because there are an infinite number, not only do they not necessarily follow the same rules of physics... They don't follow the same rules of anything. That is, they are entirely, um, um, well, in, infinite means infinite, which means anything that you can conceive of and anything that you can't conceive of does exist in some reality uh, all, uh, by definition. Now, do any of these realities resemble ours? They would have to, they're infinite. Um, Do any of these realities come into being based on decisions that we make or other we's
1: make? As I hear what Alan says, I start to think there are multiple Gene Steinbergs, multiple Alan Greenfields, multiple Chris O'Briens, and maybe Jim Mosley, our late great friend, is still alive.
2: I mean these things boggle the mind they, can, they they're really very hard to articulate in words they're uh, truly articulable if that's a word only mathematically although uh, that's a word in another experiment. reality well that doesn't matter because <laughs> we're we're dealing in multiple realities here, but the point is that we are um, essentially uh, uh, talking about uh, the prospect that What we're dealing with with uh, Mothman or the Loch Ness Monster or UFOs or abductions or certain kinds of ghostly appearances um, and doppelgangers and a whole host of other things, including fairy legends, uh, um, elves, um, whatever uh, that we consider to be uh, fiction by definition, must be a fact in some realities. And if there are indeed crossovers from these other realities to our own, um, then, then when they manifest, they appear perfectly real. But they are, in fact, uh, so far as we're concerned, temporary and following none of the rules of, of uh, physics as we understand them. Um, are they bound by the rules of physics as we understand them when they are in our reality? Maybe, maybe not. Don't know. But I I, I would say that the likelihood is that they are um, totally, uh, it's totally open as to whether these things are can be pinned down. I think, however, that there are reasons to suspect that some of these incursions if you will and i don't mean that in any sinister way or not uh are intentional if i can do portal magic and enter or send which is more likely send someone into another reality there's no reason to think that there aren't realities in which far more accomplished quote magicians by our understanding uh are able to mechanically or or uh, through uh, magical processes or scientific processes as defined in those realities. Again, the laws of physics don't necessarily apply, or they may apply, but are slightly different, very different, or so different we really couldn't even um, uh, imagine them literally. There's no way to wrap our minds around them. Um come into our reality for whatever reasons seem applicable to them. And we try to puzzle them out in terms of our understanding of things. And that's where we get hung up on uh, trying to, uh, so to speak, uh, ground these things in uh, the understandable. But anytime in any area of science that you get out to the uh, maximum extremes There is a point at which, as some scientists have said, uh, that not only do we not understand, but that we are incapable of understanding. After all, um, in terms of biological time, to say nothing of geological time, to say absolutely nothing of cosmic time, we just dropped out of the trees a week ago. You know, I mean and you could say more accurately a moment ago. And what we are basically equipped to do is to reproduce, to hunt, and to avoid being hunted. Everything else that we do is a micro-microsecond in biological time. And again, to say nothing of geological or cosmological time. Okay, so so the rest of the stuff
1: that we're doing now, like doing radio shows, that's all optional.
2: Well... (laughs) that depends on uh, on what you mean for us i don't think it's optional i think it's perfectly appropriate and it's an excellent way of communicating however the premise behind the search for extraterrestrial intelligence seti is that intelligent civilizations would also use radio and that you know would be depend on a, a lot of things that i think are uh, shall we say much more debatable
1: Okay, but that doesn't mean there are no other worlds with intelligent life and advanced civilizations.
2: Absolutely not. But when I was a lot younger, there was a prominent uh, theory, I think it was called Drake's equation, that uh, there would be, Uh, intelligent life on x number of worlds and it was a one with many zeros behind it however uh we have come a long way in the last 10 years and much of uh well let's make it 15 years 20 years if you want to go on the outside certainly since the hubble um that we have learned a great deal more about the universe that we can see that we can contemplate and uh uh, the Drake equation has many problems with it. For one thing, you have to probably eliminate anything that would remotely be life as we know it uh, near the center of galaxies for a lot of reasons. There's a black hole in the center of every galaxy, apparently. And uh, the radiation, as you go inward, um, becomes greater and greater, and the possibility of any kind of organic life becomes less and less uh, viable. Um, we're on the edge of a galaxy and in a little zone that uh, 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 also includes the planetary accident, if you want to think of it as an accident, uh, of uh, of being in the so-called Goldilocks zone within our solar system. And even there, um, to some extent, Mars is within that uh, that Goldilocks zone, too. And obviously, it had some of the preconditions for life. But whether there's any life on Mars or ever has been is still an open question. Um, certainly, the ingredients are there. So if there's none, it's extremely significant uh, in terms of the rest of the universe. It's also true that there is a question as to whether... There has been enough time since the Big Bang. Let's consider that in a moment.
1: We've got lots more to say today. Chris O'Brien's another assignment, but not in another reality. So you're hearing from Gene Steinberg and Alan Greenfield. You're in
2: a (laughs) paracast.
0: Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit Rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com.
12: Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today.
18: To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182.
12: A Place for Mom offers free one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers. A place for mom. Call a place for mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing
18: senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1 800 704 6182. That's 1 800 704
0: 6182. Welcome back to the Paracast. The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Jane Steinberg.
1: Now we're seeing here an example of Alan Greenfield's supreme
2: mystical powers. When he says, the Paracast, right? Um, I try to project as well as I possibly can that which is.
1: So we're talking here about UFOs not necessarily coming from other planets, but from other realities, and also the possible rarity with which life begins and flourishes in the universe. Of course, we talk also about the possible discovery of Goldilocks planets, which just seem to be in the precise area and of a size and configuration that they might be able to spawn life. And then we have other theories here, like the theory of Mars, about all the crazy things that happen on Mars. And maybe at one time in the past, Mars had some sort of intelligent life.
2: Well, the panspermia theory is that uh, life elsewhere got life here started. However, and indeed, there have been... fragments of uh, planetary collisions that have been found on earth that seem to originate on mars i mean we know a lot about mars now because we actually have probes on the surface of mars and in the 1990s a um, meteorite was found in antarctica that seemed to have uh, originated on mars and seemed to have organic molecules in it and there was a debate as to whether Uh, those organic molecules had sort of leached in from an earthly source or were a contaminant or something but they uh, there's a good indication that they came here from mars and that's you know since we now actually and in fact what was it in the 1970s since the 1970s have been capable of sending probes and landing them on mars it's uh uh, fairly easy to, uh, taking a look at the at the solar system. There's been so much um, uh, asteroid and uh, meteor activity that uh, it would be very surprising if there was not some substance from a neighboring and somewhat similar planet that sometimes approaches Earth uh, relatively closely as these things are, are reckoned closer than anything else other than the Moon. So the long and short of it is we are the Martians? That's a very distinct possibility. Now, there may not have been Martians. There may have simply been organic molecules or unicellular life at one time. Something big came and collided with Mars. We know that because we, uh, Mars's atmosphere being less dense than ours, at least now, We can see the craters. There are plenty of craters on Earth as well, but because we have an atmosphere and topsoil and all kinds of erosion, the craters on the moon, where there is no air, are much more obvious than the craters on Earth. Nevertheless, those collisions have sent things everywhere. Uh, We saw an asteroid break up into three pieces and go into the planet Jupiter, causing, even though it's of enormous size and a limited density. Nevertheless, uh, it was it had a terrific effect on Jupiter, although it was, you know, not huge in terms of the size of Jupiter. Point being that the notion that life on Earth may have begun earlier than it might have because organic molecules or the remnants of a Martian civilization, whatever, uh, came to Earth long ago and began life here a lot sooner than we would uh, otherwise expect it however i did want to make the point about life elsewhere in the universe that given they used to say and it was really one of those uh, those arguments that uh people who are disinclined to believe any kind of uh supernatural forces in the universe would make they said um the, the Bob Newhart routine, an infinite number of monkeys and an infinite number of typewriters would eventually type all the great books to be or not to be, that is the Gazorn and Pla- I say that we don't have an infinite amount of time. We know now the approximate age of our universe as currently defined, and it isn't an infinite amount of time. And there's a lot of space out there, although it's not empty space as we thought for many decades between the mythos of the ether of space and the current mythos of dark matter and dark energy, um, both of which were and are approximations to, to just simply say space is not empty. What it contains, we don't know, but we can see the effects of it uh, in terms of the uh, distribution of the universe uh, and the speed at which it, it moves it would not be explainable in any other terms. there is some thing perhaps the word thing is inadequate some force if you will that we can't see or touch or feel or measure exactly that nevertheless exerts a lot of energy on the universe. point is we know a great deal about the universe, And given the amount of time since the Big Bang, the notion that life, intelligent life, would have evolved anywhere is subject to question. So how did we happen? Well, if you want to stay within uh, non-creationist theories, that is, orthodox scientific theories, you'd have to say, we were damn lucky. We were very fortunate, assuming that you think that being alive is a good thing. To be alive and conscious at this point may be an exceedingly rare thing in the entire universe. It may be very premature, in fact. It may be that we came very, very early in the long history that the universe is likely to have, the end of which is uh, strongly debated. Will it collapse on itself? Will it expand into infinity and eventually sort of Tear apart just because there's not enough material to uh, an energy to sustain it. Um, we uh, you can argue it either way. Or for a long time there was the notion that uh, things were uh, what they called steady state, and uh, that apparently is completely out of the question now, as far as scientists are concerned. Um, the nature of the universe is such that probably if one were to have some kind of expectation that intelligent life would evolve simply based on contemplation of it, which is an interesting thing, because after all, we are conscious beings, and we are the ones who are contemplating it. Um, that um, So, ipso facto, we're here. We think, therefore we are, but we could be an anomaly, in which case we may be, and for the first time in the last 10, 15 years, some scientists have begun to completely question the Drake equations, and not only say that life in the universe is rare, but we may be the only exception, or one of very few, and that would mean others would be scattered in the unbelievable distances among uh, galaxies that are distributed all across the universe.
1: So the theory goes that the amount of life that spawns in the universe is not very high. So therefore, the chances that an intelligent civilization would arise are very low. And it's even lower the possibility that civilization would be advanced enough to communicate with another.
2: I, I think that there is a great plausibility to that, whereas... When I first got started with this stuff, continental drift was still denied at that point uh, by orthodox science. I mean, that's, that was taught as nonsense when I was in school, but, um, well, in high school anyway.
1: So therefore, we have a situation here where if certain people are elected president of the United States, we will magically return to another reality, the reality of the 1950s. Can you dig it? Chris O'Brien's on special assignment, but he will be with us on the next episode of After the Powercast. He'll tell us all what he's up to. And I've got some news that is tentative, but we hope it's final. And that is we have scheduled Whitley Strieber to join us on the Powercast the second week of February. In the meantime, we've got my old friend Alan Greenfield here to join us with lots of fascinating talk. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on this special deal at Namecheap.com. Namecheap.com
11: Removing bad taste and odor from your drinking water is easy. Removing the bad stuff you don't taste is what Pro-Pure does best. Water the way nature meant it to be. Clean, crisp, and refreshing. See the complete line of Pro-Pure countertop, inline gravity, and household water filtration products. Visit your authorized Pro-Pure dealer or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. Or call 800-544-3533.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at the Paracast.com. That's news at the Paracast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast Community Forums at forum.theparacast.com
1: So we're talking here on the Paracast about the possibility. That instead of coming from other planets, UFOs, assuming they are real, come from alternate realities. And we're talking to my old friend, Alan Greenfield. Chris O'Brien is on special assignment. So, Alan, what about the scientific community? How many scientists out there are talking not the possibility of life in outer space, but life in alternate realities?
2: Well, in quantum physics, uh, most of them, (laughs) Uh, there is a disconnect between the quantum physicists, who nobody denies at this point, or almost no one denies, are the orthodox notion of the nature of reality. Let's say biology, and biological sciences, which has not had the kind of revolution that you have in physics. I think that is coming. And in my opinion, not only is it coming, but that it's going to be a a paradigm shift of major proportions comparable to that which occurred with Newton and with Einstein. Um, And when it occurs, that is, when what the quantum physicists have known since the 1920s filters out into, let's say, a high school biology class, We're going to look at reality in an entirely different way. But in the meantime, there's this disconnect between the theoretical physicists who uh, nobody else is going to say that they're not correct, but integrating that with uh, bioscience or or technology or whatever – there are very few meeting points and even where there are there seems to be uh, they seem to be oblivious to the implications of it we have quantum processes going on inside of our own brains right now and there is a lot of talk in the technology sector about quantum computing but the reason that quantum computing is is so unimaginably fast has direct implications for the theoretical structures that I'm I'm mentioning. And yet, people that work with quantum computing are only interested in the speed. They're not interested in the implications. I understand practical science. It's, It's a good thing. But I wish there was more integration between theory and practice. But what I'm saying, it's very important, Gene, to realize that what I'm saying is absolutely within the orthodox fold. There are conservative scientists who would be horrified by it, but uh, very few people who actually understand quantum physics who are not mm, in touch with it and disturbed by it because the implications are staggering. My feeling is that because this is the case, whether it's generally realized or not, In the little corner of the universe that we work in with strange phenomena and high weirdness and whatever you want to call it, the reason there has been so, or one of the main reasons there has been so little progress from the the earliest uh, investigative groups to the present is because most of them have stuck to the line that Either we're dealing with extraterrestrial visitations. That term jumps out of the television sets every day. All you have to do is turn on the History Channel or even the Smithsonian Channel and it's always extraterrestrials. The guy with the big hair that looks like an antenna. Extraterrestrials. It's possible that ancient aliens, blah, 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 blah. Aliens meaning extraterrestrials. It's possible that extraterrestrial. All of that, has gone nowhere. It establishes nothing, and it's never anything that you can wrap yourself around and say, well, here's the evidence for it. So the other alternative in this false dichotomy is that these are all explainable in terms of natural phenomena. I think not, and I think not because there's too much of it, and it's too prevalent throughout human history and as far back as people doing rather sophisticated artwork on the walls of caves. So I think that the probability is we are dealing with something quote real unquote. And if it's not within that false dichotomy of spaceships or natural phenomena, perhaps it would do well for ufologists, for example, and perhaps even parapsychologists to stop looking for these, uh, they used to call telepathy mental radio. It's not has nothing to do with radio or radio waves or anything like that. Ufologists have been looking to the stars and looking for ways for there to be emergent, ways to get around the speed of light paradox for distant alien visitations and start looking in another direction. I think the confluence of paranormal research, magic or occultism, ufology and the hunt for uh, critters, cryptozoology, need to look in the direction that I am proposing. And if they do, I think you will find a rich reward. And let me say one thing about it that was that, that was something that I wish you had been at, but I don't know, you know what the circumstances were. But uh, last summer, we had a reunion of many of the people who uh, go back to the very, very beginning of the Congress of Scientific Ufologists come National UFO Conference. And to a person, those who were there, unless I misread them badly, to a person, they all had moved away from the ETH and towards some version of an alternate reality theory. And I think that says something, that the old hands, the people that have been around for a very long time. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, even the name of your program suggests it. I believe you also fall into that category. Those of us who have been around for a long time, it's not like we can declare uh, ex cathedra that there is no such thing as an extraterrestrial or that they cannot or might not visit the Earth. Uh, Even Carl Sagan, arch skeptic of such things, uh, said at one time that there might be a visitation maybe once in thousands of years. And he cited an example from ancient uh, uh, Mesopotamian civilization, which I also find uh, has some credibility. But this notion of ongoing everyday encounters and all you have to do is do what I do with Uh, for preparation for my blog, when my computer is working. And um, you will find UFO sightings somewhere in the world every day of the week, 365 days a year, every year since who knows when.
1: So Alan has wondered, by dint of the use of the name The Paracast for the show, whether I've left the extraterrestrial theory behind and I embrace something much wider. And that's worth the further answer. We'll continue that in our next segment. Next week, we'll have our episode featuring Dr. Kirby's surprise about synchronicity. And don't take this to the bank yet, folks, but we have a tentative arrangement to feature Whitley Strieber and his newest book on the Paracast in early February. Okay? A lot more to come on the show With Alan Greenfield and Gene Steinberg, Chris O'Brien on special assignment, you're
2: in The ParaCast.
7: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
3: My dad was 59 when he collapsed from a heart attack late last year. Just this past August was when we spread his ashes on the St. Croix River. I loved my dad, but boy was he stubborn. He hadn't been to the doctor in over 25 years. His excuse? He simply couldn't afford it. He wasn't a rich man by any means. At less than $107 per month, libertyoncall.org would have been the perfect alternative for my father. Don't wait. Go to libertyoncall.org right now. For not just your sake, but for the sake of your loved ones. Again, that's libertyoncall.org.
14: Why be held hostage by your wireless carrier for two years? What if you had no contract, no activation fees, no hidden costs, tracking, tracing, harvesting customer data, or draconian gimmicks? All on the nation's best 4G LTE network. Introducing PIX Wireless. Bring your phone and other qualifying devices to PIX and choose a plan starting at only $14 a month. Get connected now. Call or click 1-866-267-2056 or PIXWireless.com. Spelled P-I-X, wireless.com. Pick PIX and get connected today.
17: Ted Anderson telling you about Jordan Rubin's Beyond Organic Green-Fed Raw Cheddar Artesian Cheese featuring whole milk created through ancient dairy breeding, unpasteurized, untreated whole milk on the same farm the cows graze, containing natural sources of omega-3s, CLA protein, calcium, probiotics, and enzymes. I have never tasted cheese this good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com.
3: Hi, it's Grant Cameron from presidentialufo.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: So our discussion is proceeding with Alan Greenfield, my old friend. The topic on the table is UFOs not from outer space, but on alternate realities. But first, I want to put this on the table. We have this post in our forums at forum.theparacast.com from one of our posters, Wade. And he's referring to a book that you wrote some time ago called The Secret Cipher of the UFOnauts. Has the cipher changed? Do you still use it to predict the next sighting
2: for yourself? Tell us. Well, as of the mid-1990s, when the first edition of said book was published, I thought that once my book was out there, assuming that it got a wide circulation, and it it has, it's in the tens of thousands, that the cipher would change. Thus far, it has not. What has happened is the use of the, what I call the funny names, the strange names in abduction or contact cases has diminished. So the number of cases that one can analyze using that particular cipher have become less. Now, whether there is a new cipher that I don't know anything about, I don't know. I do know that if I get something in the way of a word, um, a, um, a name, a planetary supposed origin, whatever, that I can predict the next major sighting. But um, I had hoped with those books, which are now Secret Cipher of the Eufonuts" and "Secret Rituals of the Men in Black," both of which are available in free PDFs now. So, I mean, there are still hard copy editions, but I don't get any royalties on them because uh, uh, the public, the publisher of the original edition, is long gone, and the publisher of the second edition never paid me any royalties. So, I put them up as PDFs on Scribd and one is welcome to read them intact. And my hope was when I wrote them that uh, other people would use the cipher, apply it in the ways that I suggested, and do their own predicting and be at locations. Mobility with me is uh, more of a A task, because I don't drive, among other things, which uh, you're a native New Yorker, so that might not seem totally strange to you, but to the vast majority of Americans, uh, that is strange. And, you know, that's my particular weirdness.
1: Well, let me tell you this. My son knows how to drive, but he lives in Madrid where there's plenty of public transportation, so he doesn't own a car and he doesn't drive. Of course, also cars and gas are quite expensive in Spain.
2: Yeah, well, there you go. And my youngest son, who is an adult and still lives at home, walks to work. It makes things more difficult. It basically, and also, um, I'm not wealthy, so I was once, but uh, that was four marriages ago, among other things. So, Uh, Unless people invite me somewhere or or, uh, for an occasion and sponsor me, I don't go. I mean, it's as simple as that. I think the uh, National UFO Conference reunion was the only event that I paid my own uh, way to in recent years. And yet I've been all over the world because people will uh, sponsor me to come and spend a week bringing them up to speed on all of these things.
1: I'd like to return to this because... You asked me about the name The Powercast, and our approach to the UFO mystery. One of the things we've maintained on The Powercast over the years is that people shouldn't just look to the skies for the solution to the UFO mystery. And we've probably run more shows with those alternative theories than most radio shows out there. And of course, this is a commercial radio show which is carried on terrestrial radio in addition, of course, to being heard online. So in that particular category commercial radio show. We're probably almost alone in talking about UFOs with other possible theories that kind of makes us outliers.
2: Well, there are a few others, at least, that will entertain it, and and one or two that I can think of that uh, uh, also um, suggest that, and maybe go further than you, and are more on the same page as I am, thinking that Maybe the uh, ETH should be the ETS, the extraterrestrial speculation, because it's really not a hypothesis. It's not in in the traditional dictionary sense of that term.
1: Again, the exception is the fact that we are on commercial radio, heard on normal radio stations. There are podcasts, of course, that are exceptions. I think one that comes to mind, perhaps the best one, is the one that's hosted by Greg Bishop.
2: Yeah, but I would imagine... That the stuff when people say, "Well, people don't uh, don't have the same interest in UFOs that they had 20 years ago," I th- I say, uh, pardon me. Actually, although the level of the information is lamentable, what this has done is gone mainstream culture. All you have to do is turn on any number of cable channels on TV, which reach many millions of people. And they churn out stuff. I mean, I've been on some of these programs and they they repeat them and repeat them and repeat them. And then they, you know, add to them what ancient aliens and the like have been on. And they're on channels that uh, have that sort of pseudo stamp of authenticity, history, Smithsonian, whatever. Um, But it's always ETH. Nothing else is ever discussed and it's almost ETH to the exclusion of natural phenomena. So it's, it's really, it, it, it borders on a belief system rather than a hypothesis of any sort. Um, and that's what gets the, I, I, I don't imagine that you um, reach as many people as that. And uh, maybe you do, if you do, more power to you. But um, um, the general thing, even on radio, is... ETH uh, oriented uh, with the, um, the, the, the I'll talk uh, we'll call them the middle of the night shows for truckers. And I'm sure you'll know what I'm talking about. But since I don't want to be excluded from their universe, I uh, I um, will decline to mention them in specific. But I do think that uh, they uh, muddy the waters. However, they're muddying the waters for the masses just as there is serious paranormal research into apparitions. And I don't mean of the Virgin Mary, I mean of the deceased, but not much. And what has happened is that that research has been reduced to a, a group of plumbers in New Jersey who go out uh, with uh, um, various uh, measuring, uh, impressive looking pocket tools and uh, and night, uh, night vision goggles. And every time they see or hear anything, they go, whoa, wow. Like, you know, they're, I mean, that's not research. That's strictly entertainment and uh, is uh, on the same level as reality television. I mean. Well, uh, we've
1: reached the point now with reality uh, television it's, it's, where the king of reality TV may be president of the United States.
2: Uh, that may very well be the case. And it may say something about the times we lived in. I think, what was the line from Gladiator? Are you not entertained?
1: This kind of reminds me of something. And I think a lot of you will have empathy with this. I had what we call a crazy uncle when I was a kid. I had Uncle George. That was his real name. Uncle George was a retired lieutenant in the New York City Police Department. He would tell some pretty wacky stories, and today they would not be politically correct. But they would arrest juvenile delinquents or suspected juvenile delinquents, take them to someplace in the basement, in the police station, and knock some sense into them. I don't know if we could believe this. It was outrageous. And now the crazy uncle is a multi-billionaire, and he tells crazy stories, and people listen to him. In fact, we're doing this show right now even though the show won't be heard for a few days, opposite a certain debate in which the crazy uncle is featured. So it's a pretty crazy world out there. But before we get too crazy, let me tell you, this is a special appearance by Alan Greenfield on our show. You're in the
2: Paracast.
7: You are listening to GCN.
8: Owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Get on board with the tax admiral. Don't pick on the IRS alone. I'll cut penalties and reduce your overall tax bill sometimes. I can even get it zeroed out completely. We're an A-rated company helping people clean up their mess with the IRS. If you owe $10,000 or more, then call the tax admiral.
9: Call 800-287-7180. Again, that's 800-287-7180. 800-287-7180.
18: There's one major factor affecting the health of millions, and most people are completely unaware. Acid levels, soda, meat, dairy, caffeine, and sugar can all lead to elevated acid levels in the body. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops get the body's pH levels back in perfect balance. It's a holistic, natural, and powerful approach that will give you greater health, vitality, and zest for life. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Visit ALKAVision.com. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at
11: AlkaVision.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Sam Nussbaum with the Anthem Foundation. Premature birth is the leading cause of death of babies and disabilities for children. That's why we support the March of Dimes to help mothers have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in supporting cutting-edge research, treatment and outreach to help moms during their pregnancy, and give every baby a healthy start in life. Learn how you can help at marchofdimes.org.
3: You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code George for a substantial discount. This is Kurt Sevan, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast.
1: We continue our discussion with Alan Greenfield. We've talked about UFOs and the curious phenomenon of them winking in and out. Maybe they are from other realities. Maybe they are from inside the caves, in our own reality, maybe from under the sea. How do we prove it, man?
2: Well, You have to start by putting it in in a different context. First of all, I think the notion of a hollow Earth as such is um, there is uh, acceptable scientific proof, a term that I don't use lightly, that the Earth is, in fact, not hollow, and that we pretty well – there are lots of things that we don't know specifically about the – the inside of the Earth, but it it uh, we do know that uh, that the mass of the Earth is uh, suggests a molten core and a mantle around it, and a thin thin layer upon which we grovel and call ourselves uh, human beings on on the surface, and then an atmosphere to protect us from the cosmic rays and rays of the sun. That is settled science. What is not settled science is, is it possible that when you go north beyond the North Pole, at a certain altitude, that you may penetrate one of these alternate realities and mistake it for the inner Earth? Is it possible that there are certain caves that are portals and that people, I mean, this is not new stuff. This is, this is Ray Palmer's version of the Shaver mystery. Palmer did not believe that Shaver was correct, that these were beings from the interior of the earth, but he believed that Shaver was telling the truth as he understood it. The difference being that Palmer thought that there was an interpenetration of another reality. Similarly, there is other than the Marianas Trench, we pretty well know the oceans of the Earth. We don't know them as well as we should. We know more about the moon than we know about the, the deepest bottoms of the, of the ocean. But I think that other than civilizations that once existed on shorelines that uh, various uh, climate change effects have swallowed up, and that are indeed underwater, and I I cover that a lot on my Facebook blog, there isn't some mysterious living civilization under the sea. That would be more unlikely, I think, than, than a past civilization on Mars that when the atmosphere thinned out moved underneath and that still exists there. I don't believe that is true, but I think it is possible. It's within the realm of possibility. I don't think we have any kind of Aquaman universe under the ocean, which is yet another reason why I don't believe in Superman.
1: And you certainly don't believe in a fortress of solitude or in Wonder Woman. Not in this reality, no. There you go. Maybe in another reality, such things exist. Okay, so for a few years, Ray Palmer continued to talk about holes at the poles. And we all assumed he was talking about physical holes at the poles. He then seems to change his tune and say that, no, he's talking about holes at the poles in the astral, perhaps his simplified way of talking about an alternate reality.
2: Within quantum physics, going back to the 1920s, mostly mathematical terms, not uh, virtual terms, not actual terms, to use their type of language. So those of us in ufology struggling along, Ray Palmer included, we really had to draw on the language of the occult or the language of traditional uh, storytelling to come up with terms for it, the astral. What is the astral? Well, that's, you know, that's a that's a term without a specific meaning. It's used frequently and even uh, parapsychologists will use it, but usually in quotes. But what it's referring to is real enough. It's the notion of a reality that is, again, one of those old terms that has no real meaning. In a different vibrational level than our everyday universe, consensus reality, as Carlos Castaneda, uh, his imaginary teacher, uh, told him. Consensus reality is very powerful. First of all, we reinforce it with each other all the time. From birth to death, we are reinforcing that. While the vast majority of human beings uh, also hold supernatural beliefs in things that they can't see or know, and they call it faith, which is actually a perversion of the term faith, which uh, originally means fidelity. is faith, it's a sort of an equivalent to loyalty rather than belief as we commonly understand it now science isn't about belief it's about facts and being able to establish a fact by the repeatable experiment and many experiments in quantum physics have shown that there is a great likelihood That alternate realities with alternate timelines, and maybe even no timeline at all, exist. That being the case, I think that the notion of alternate realities, although the term may be lame and inadequate, is a very plausible one that has strong scientific backing as opposed to the so-called extraterrestrial hypothesis and to any belief system uh, whatsoever because belief systems are have become just that. They are, they are a matter of belief. I also have a kind of sociological interest in the fact that if you go back to the first flying saucer case, that being defined as the case where the term emerged from, not the actual first case. The Kenneth Arnold case, June 24, 1947. Already in 1947, that false dichotomy was being foisted on people's consciousness, on the consensus reality. Either these are natural phenomena that are being misunderstood And I'm sure there are many, many cases of that, although I don't think the percentages that you hear about are anything like correct. You know, they say 95% uh, natural phenomena, 5% unknown. That's baloney. It's just not factoring in the number of cases or the number of good cases. I think it's more like 50-50, really. Um, And unknown may be a more difficult thing to um, define than simply leaving it as a big question mark um, in any case we immediately went to the their little green men from Mars that was the term or possibly Venus at that time we didn't know a great deal about Venus they would have to be the molten men if they were from Venus as we know now but uh, I'm not even sure if Velikovsky had any correctness whether Venus is actually a planet as such. But that's a totally, you know, off-point question, so we'll leave that as, as saying we immediately heard about the possibility we were being visited from Mars. Something that goes back to H.G. Wells and the, uh, the erroneous translation of channels to canals from early uh, astronomical observations through the uh, uh, distorting atmosphere of the Earth for which we should all be grateful.
1: Now, let me remind you that no less than UFO pioneer Major Donald Kehoe told us, and this happened the day before you and I went to NICAP and they told me to leave. He early on believed in the Martian canals and that might indicate possible intelligent life on Mars. He wrote about that in his early books. Curious thing is here is that the theory Forgetting the local planets that he voiced about UFOs from outer space mirrors the theory that's being expressed today by most people in the UFO field with hardly any change. Before we go on, let me introduce you once again to the PowerCast Plus. I know you've heard about it. I know a lot of you have been thinking about joining, but want to know more, want to think about it. Well, we offer the ad-free version of this show where we take out 41 minutes of network ads. We also offer the After the Paracast podcast. We've just introduced a video channel with our first magnificent video from Chris O'Brien. We have show transcripts. We're getting more of those in the next few days. A lot coming in the Paracast plus a modest monthly annual five-year or annual subscription rate gets you to be a part of the action. Go to plus.thepowercast.com to learn more, Plus.thepowercast.com. Our guest this week is Alan Greenfield. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in
2: The Paracast.
7: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
9: This is a health alert from the Pain Relief Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one suffers from knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain and have Medicare as your primary insurance, we've got great news. You don't have to suffer any longer. You can immediately qualify for a pain relieving brace at little or no cost to you by calling our 24-7 Pain Relief Hotline at 866-389-0620. Delivery is free and all paperwork is handled for you. If you are on Medicare and have knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain, don't wait. You can qualify to immediately receive a pain-relieving brace at little or no cost by calling our 24-7 pain hotline now at 866-389-0620. Our representatives are standing by 24-7 to take your call and rush you your pain-relieving brace at little or no cost to you. Shipping is free and all paperwork is handled for you. Just call 866-389-0620. That's 866-389-0620. Again, 866-389-0620.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: Subject on the table with our guest Alan Greenfield is about UFOs and possible alternate realities. So let's put this on the table. We have UFOs winking in and out, strange creatures winking in and out, so is there some kind of mechanism by which we can go from this reality to that reality and back again? Or do we go back to that book, The Incomplete Enchanter?
2: Well, the book The Incomplete Enchanter had a method, but it was... The interesting thing about DeCamp and Pratt, I think they're both deceased now. I know Pratt is, and I would assume DeCamp is. But uh, it seems very strange in a science fiction slash science fantasy book and series of books, actually they were, all the Harold Shea stories were published in uh, the pulp science fiction magazines first and then collected. There's a disclaimer, an odd disclaimer that uh, we speak of things, a quote from one of the ancient Romans, Virgil maybe, we speak of things that don't exist and never have existed and don't don't merit uh, thinking that they have any existence. Why go through that disclaimer? I've never seen that in, I think, any other science fiction or science fantasy book. I mean, you know, Game of Thrones assumes that you know that that's not the real world, and it's not a real world, and that it's not necessary to say anything more than that it be in the fiction category. Not since the 19th century has it been customary for uh, fiction to be published as nonfiction, It caused much mischief in in things like uh, Bulwer-Lytton's Rosicrucian book and the book about the Vril, the power of the coming race, uh, which uh, not only was taken up by the Nazis, but uh, is now prized by the neo-Nazis, as you can find very easily on the Internet if you care to do so. Well, I tried walking into a mirror, and then I tried walking into a shower stall. I tried all kinds of things, but I was, you know, like 12 or 13 when I read the book. So allow, you know. The point is that the idea in and of itself doesn't produce any way to do it. They, the authors, uh, imagined a formula of logic that would essentially make logic illogical, and if they did that focusing on a particular fictional traditional book, let's say the Elder Edda, which is one of those that they, they use to transform themselves into the world of Norse mythology, which was my introduction to Norse mythology, by the way, and was enough for me to um, take a considerable interest in it, even though in most books in those days that was supplementary. Um, I'm not sure if I can pronounce it, but it was a syllogismobile that uh, uh, relied on syllogisms to uh, propel you into an alternate reality. You can kind of get the same effect from LSD, not recommended, or from uh, brainwave synchronizers recommended with caution. Um, But Nevertheless, that doesn't take you anywhere. It just uh, allows you to see things uh, from a different perspective than ordinary, everyday reality. And once you've done that, that's all you can do with it. And the tendency is to keep repeating the experience, which is a failure. Um, It's sort of being stuck. It's a peril of the path, as we say in metaphysical circles. But if we look at the notion of membrane or multiple worlds theories in physics, we will find people um, who are eminent physicists who propose at least theoretical ways of penetrating uh, other realities. In fact, there's an argument, I think it was made by Michio Kaku, a well-known uh, Scientist, I'll be one of those who appears on television a lot, which is a little suspect to me. Maybe that's hypocritical on my part, being the uh, can I say media whore on the radio? I guess I just did. Um, yes, I, you
1: can, yes, you did, and no, they will not stop us.
2: Oh, that's good because, um, I mean, I'm unabashed, I, I like to do uh, do radio and television and podcasts and stuff. Um, But not without reason, and I don't think uh, people like Michio Kaku, or for that matter, the late Carl Sagan, were doing it just for the kick of it. Um, But uh, uh, Michio Kaku has proposed that the human race, if it means to survive the inevitable end of this universe, needs to find a way to penetrate uh, into other universes, and proposes a way that only in the far future would our technology allow us to do. Maybe, um, well, those of us who are in the occult community and who have, for a long time, not equating it at all—I mean, for centuries, literally not equating at all, it, it, at all—with what we're discussing now. Have been opening portals to otherwhere, for lack of a specific term, and uh, either evoking or invoking or going to other ethers, other realms, other dimensions, other orders of reality. And that is kind of standard practice. Uh, what what allows that to happen is a series of stylized rituals uh, done in a specific context, much of it dating to um, the uh, astrologer royal of Queen Elizabeth I, um, John Dee, but probably dating far, far earlier than that to the ancient uh, uh, Dionysian, Eleusinian mysteries, Egyptian mysteries, and so forth, are various means by which one can open portals to these other places, sometimes to specific other places. This is something that can be replicated, something that requires some years of study to be able to do. But once you have the ability to do it, if done properly, you can take someone who is skeptical of it, who, and I've, I've done this, who have no knowledge. I was going
1: to ask you that. Go ahead, please.
2: Who have no knowledge in advance of it. And you do tell them, you know, what, what you're doing, but you don't tell them what results to expect. And go through the... Uh, ritual, propel them into this universe and ask them what they saw. And it will resemble uh, the standard model of what people see in this given place, in this given time to a degree that uh, approaches certainty that they're talking about the same thing. And of course there are people who have written accounts of it. I'm not uh, as fond of the Late Alistair Crowley, as I once was, for a variety of reasons, including all of the nonsense that has uh, been done in his name. But he did write a book called The Vision and the Voice, which um, narrates a series of events involving him and one of his uh, close associates in North Africa, on specific dates, at specific times, and, and which I use making sure that the, the people that I am propelling voluntarily into these other re- specific realities haven't read and don't really know about and are not particularly uh, enamored of mysticism or magic or Alistair Crowley at all.
1: So we'll continue our discussion about other realities, and some people believe that I should go to that other reality and stay there. We have Gene Steinberg. We have Alan Greenfield. Chris O'Brien's on special assignment. You're in... The Paracast. If you're fascinated by UFOs, ancient aliens, archaeological mysteries, ghost hunting, Atlantis, and any other paranormal topic as we are, be sure to check out apmagazine.info each month. Since 1985, it has presented the latest research by top researchers like Andrew Collins, Brad Steiger, and many others, and contains interviews with such leading personalities as Jacques Vallée. Check click on one of their banners and check out apmagazine.info.
12: It's about time something new came along for better selling and buying online and I found it. It's buy sell makeoffer.com, a brand new company that's the newest and best way to sell products online. You can even use Skype or video to sell your car, home, any product. You get 30 days free. Packages starting from only 7.95 and buy sell make offercom never charges item fees ever. Just go sign up, then load your stuff to sell. I love this site. buy sell make Got it? Buy sell make offercom better selling, better buying.
13: Hi there, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. And we're looking in this time of terrible financial crash, terrible meltdown of the medical system, we're looking to pay people obscene amounts of money if you become a student of our business at Yongevity. We will help you actually take care of people better than the medical system has. Think about it. We spend more money in America for healthcare than all the other 218 nations the world put together, and they can't even solve weight loss problems. I mean, the medical system have a total mental brain fart, and if you do this, you will be able to. save an enormous amount of people from being overweight, being obese. They don't even know what causes obesity. Believe me, we know what causes obesity. In the medical system, they think it's from eating too much. It's not from eating too much. It's actually a mineral deficiency. Do you solve a iron deficiency anemia with a bone marrow transplant? That's what they think. Do you solve a mineral deficiency that causes obesity with a gastric bypass? That's dumber than a stump. Contact us at GCNminerals.com. Learn how to lose weight, look good, and save yourselves a gob of money.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
1: Chris O'Brien is on special assignment. We're joined this week by Alan Greenfield, an old friend of mine. We got started in the UFO and paranormal game, Back in the 1960s, has it been that long? We've been focusing quite heavily on the subject of alternate realities. So I pose a question to my friend, Mr. Greenfield, and it is this. So you don't have a car, you don't drive. When you want to go somewhere, someone has to send you the plane ticket or the train ticket or the bus ticket to be able to get there. So have you ever,
2: ever traveled to another reality, Alan Greenfield? Well, I can tell you this. Uh, I once took, uh, on my lawyer's advice, took my then-only, now-eldest son, Alex, on a 72-hour Greyhound trip from Tucson to Atlanta. And if that wasn't a trip to another reality, I don't know what is. That was truly bizarre. But I think of myself as a facilitator in the spirit of free Illuminism rather than a traveler myself. I have done enough traveling to satisfy myself that it can be done. But having done that, um, I'll give you the example of the first time I did a controlled group working. This was in the late 1980s, early 1990s. And at that time, I was involved with a, an organization that will be remain nameless, and I was the um, uh, master of their local lodge. One of those secret societies that isn't very secret and isn't very social. But what I did was, we had a uh, rather nice uh, lodge space, which had two doors, both of which had locks on them. I had a reliable Tyler my lodge. That is the equivalent of a guard for those people who aren't familiar with Masonic and Crypto-Masonic terminology. And I had all the right equipment for this particular type of translation, if we can call it that, or transport or whatever. And I had a group of people that were picked largely because they had no previous knowledge of these particular workings and had no particular opinion as to what they expected to happen. I did a fairly elaborate opening, and for 30 weeks, once a week, with an interruption for, I think, the holidays season, so it took more like 40 weeks to do it, but on 30 occasions, we would lock the doors, I would do the invocation and stand by one of the doors locked, my Tyler would stand by the other door, locked, and the person propelled into this other reality, the scryer, would go into this reality. Uh, there was one occasion, actually, where we handed a physical object to a person who was in some kind of trouble. Actually, it was a sword in a difficulty in this alternate reality. Things can go wrong. Um, There is a certain amount of risk, although I limit that when I'm dealing with other people, uh, just for ethical reasons. And afterwards, I would close the portal, which is something I, I always tell people who get involved with this. Learn banishing and exorcism and closings before you learn anything else. Become consummately good at that, like a soldier who can field strip an m16 and put it back together in the dark you need to be able to do that if you're scared to death if you're worried if you're distracted if you're in a altered mental state of that there were no drugs or alcohol or anything else other than ritual involved in in this series of activities learn to close it uh there's a portal in pasadena that was opened uh in 1945, that some people who argue the modern UFO is different from older things argue that it's never been closed. And that was the origin of the, of the UFOs because they didn't close the portal. Um, that was done by a scientist from Jet Propulsion Laboratory who was also an occultist and blew himself up. Nothing that dramatic happened. We had a lot of dramatic things happen. But I won't give you the side things. They're distracting. The major thing is I did have Crowley's account of his experience in the same, they're called ethers, the 30 Enochian ethers. So I had his standard accounts from the vision and the voice. I was careful that no one in the room had any experience of that or anything, you know, closely resembling that. And I would have them tell what their experience was to the group of people who were there. And then I would read the account from The Vision and the Voice, which dates from, I forget exactly, but circa 1910. And the accounts were so similar that there could be very, very little doubt that what this person who had no previous experience or reading in that area had had was essentially the same thing, the same place, the same universe as the one that uh, Crowley had written about or his scribe had written about to his dictation um, so many years before, 75 years or so before. I think that that constitutes, given that there was no available exit from the room, that the doors were being monitored, that the people were rather closely filtered so that we were not dealing with people who had memorized these things or even simply read them somewhere in their past and and uh sort of unconsciously absorbed them so that they could imagine that they were going to these places and it was the same experience it was published in the little uh, hard copy newsletter that we all did back in the day and uh I have really never forgotten that one because while I have repeated this experiment uh, since with uh, the same success, nevertheless, the first time you do anything significant, it leaves a very, very strong impression. I might add that I did not conduct this until I had achieved a considerable level of expertise in this area, or I wouldn't have... uh, Uh, even remotely attempted it with with other people. And I would not urge people to run out by the vision and the voice, which I have no stake in and which I think is probably out of copyright anyway. Um, So anybody, you know, whatever, it's available. But this is not something to do lightly. But it nevertheless is something that, if we put it into broader practice, perhaps could be applied specifically to some of the – quote, planets, unquote, that uh, uh, UFO abductees and contactees uh, profess to uh, uh, have gone to or been in touch with.
1: We'll continue that discussion in our next segment. We'll talk about abductions before maybe we're abducted. No, set that aside. We have Alan Greenfield, Chris O'Brien's on special assignment. I'm Gene Steinberg, and you're in the Paracast.
7: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
21: Did you know that home break-ins increase more than 100% during the holidays? It takes just 10 seconds for an intruder to kick in your door. But police response to a home alarm system is more than 20 minutes. And intruders are in and out of your home in 5 minutes. Thieves know that you're not home and have presents inside just waiting to be taken. And if you are home, how safe will you feel with an intruder lurking inside with your family? That's why police across the country are recommending you use Door Armor. Proven to withstand the force of a battering ram, Door Armor keeps intruders out. It's easy to install and barely visible, and your Door Armor is guaranteed for life. Go to InvasionStopper.com for a very special buy one, get one, and half-off deal. These savings are for a limited time and only available to GCN listeners. Protect your valuables and loved ones this holiday season. Go to InvasionStopper.com now. That's InvasionStopper.com. Hey guys, Pat Matthews here to tell you all about
4: the newest and best way to sell your products online. It's BuySellMakeOffer.com, a brand new site to sell your stuff online. Your old golf clubs, sports equipment, tools, and yes, even your car. Forget about the other guys. BuySellMakeOffer.com will never charge you item fees. Go to the website now and sign up so that you can soon load all your stuff up to sell. This is not an auction site. Just use our resources along with Skype and videos to sell your items quickly and with no fees. Go right now to user-friendly BuySellMakeOffer.com, where the first 30 days are on us.
14: As your body ages, there's a 10% decline in your ability to repair each passing decade after the age 28. By age 40, your ability to repair from demanding manual labor, exercise, or a stressful desk job has declined by 12%. By using One World Whey, you supercharge your body's ability to repair and eliminate inflammation. Our unique frequency-encoded whey protein, coupled with our high-quality whey, improves your cell's ability to make protein, which is to say, repair itself.
4: My name is Jonathan Wright, and I'm 40 years old. I recently went from a desk job to a manual labor job. Normally, I'm worn out. With energy-enhanced One World Whey, I now recover so quickly that I can perform very hard work all day long. I use energy-enhanced One World Way for breakfast and lunch, and I experience less hunger throughout the day. I have a 30% increase in energy, and I just feel better. I plan to make energy-enhanced One World Way a permanent part of my lifestyle.
14: Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com
8: owe $10,000 or more to the IRS, get on board with the tax admiral. Don't pick on the IRS alone. I'll cut penalties and reduce your overall tax bill sometimes. I can even get it zeroed out completely. We're an A-rated company helping people clean up their mess with the IRS. If you owe $10,000 or more, then call the tax admiral.
9: Call 800-287-7180. Again, that's 800-287-7180. 800-287-7180. This is Micah Hanks of
3: The Lean Report, and you're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: We continue with my old friend, Alan Greenfield. How old a friend? Well, I've known him for, what, 50 years or more?
2: More than half a century, and we've stayed young using that rejuvenation formula that we will not give out on the air.
1: Yes, but if we had that to advertise, we'd make a lot of money.
2: Yes, we would. Something to think about for the future, future, future.
1: In fact, a recent guest we had, a UFO abduction researcher, Dr. David Jacobs. Well, his presence is contentious on the show. When we had him on, people like him, people don't care. Lots of people hate it. It really started a controversy. In fact, we had more hate messages in our forums than we've seen there for many years. So we know that abductions, it's a contentious, controversial subject. Since you raised the issue with abductions, are the abductees going somewhere,
2: or is it all happening in their heads? Well, first of all, uh, it's sort of like uh, near-death experiences. Now that near-death experiences are fairly widely known, It's possible that the uh, consensus reality uh, uh, common to people, at least in our society, is broad enough that some of the phenomena associated with near-death experiences could be, so to speak, programmed into people. And people who have uh, had near-death experiences might imagine that they were having the same experience.
1: Now, I have to tell you, we had a guest editorial by a famous paranormal blogger known as Red Pill Junkie, and he wrote a piece about the possible connection between near-death experiences and UFO abductions. It is territory we've also mined on the show.
2: But let me say this about the near-death experiences. Once you start to do a historical research, once again, you will find that near-death experiences, before they were well-known, before it became... a a fairly widely known phenomenon. And it's still not, you know, on the tip of the tongue of everybody and isn't uh, universally believed in or any of that. Um, Nevertheless, it is fairly widely known now. And those people who are uh, professional skeptics are going to say, well, uh, you know, the previous cases influenced it, which begs the question, well, what about the first case? There is no first case. They go back to to ancient times, and I've, I've published cases that uh, have the same characteristics that are ancient. But it's not what was expected. I go back far enough myself that I can remember that the, uh, uh, well, I mean, I follow Reform Judaism, which is not big on the afterlife, I think maybe because... The Jews came out of Egyptian servitude in a society that was obsessed with death and the afterlife, uh, and that was sort of the supreme interest of Egyptian civilization, so much so that I think the Jews tended to uh, relegate the afterlife to being either a non-thing or something that… Uh, you didn't want to emphasize uh, the present uh, existence is the one that was important. I think there's merit in the notion of the here and now is what we should be living and not living for pie in the sky when we die by and by. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't look into as scientific illuminists. We should not look into what evidence there is, if any, for Afterlife experiences, whether it be near-death experiences or apparitions or whatever, those things are uh, worthy of study, and there are there is an interesting case to be made, and that is within my my purview, and I do see similarities between that and abduction experiences. However, we have cases with the same characteristics going back as far as we. Care to go back, at least as, as far as literate society goes back. That's the only records we could have. So it is doubtful that it's the influence of the famous cases of that sort that uh, are influencing people to experience them now. The same is true with abduction cases. Okay, you could say that relative latecomers are simply repeating the stories, whether deliberately or from their imagination or whatever. But those of us who've been around when ufology was a very small circle of people and interest in UFOs consisted of public interest in UFOs, consisted of interest in lights in the sky. Any kind of abduction experience was sort of laughed off or relegated to giant rock contacteism and, and was considered either to be a hoax or some kind of uh, derangement of the senses. That being the case, there was not a huge number of there were not a huge number of people that had knowledge of the specifics of these cases when I started investigating them and when you started investigating them. I mean, I conducted investigations on site in a variety of cases in the nineteen sixties and early nineteen seventies and at that time there was uh, there was no i'm not even sure when the term abduction came along but the, you know it sort of migrated from contactees to abductees but with the exception of a few cases that are very well known of contactees who wrote books there is a continuity of the phenomena that suggests that before it became public knowledge people were independently having very similar experiences now, I will say this, if there is criticism of, of, of Dr. Jacobs, and I believe he's a psychologist, he uses hypnotherapy, does he not? More or less, Dr. Jacobs is
1: self-taught. He's a retired history professor. He watched Bud Hopkins in action, took a course or two, but that's about it.
2: Hypnosis, I first became aware of in reincarnation cases. It is characteristic of hypnosis that one is, has difficulty distinguishing between reality and fantasy, particularly if there are underpinnings like some kind of shock from the past, very particularly in terms of if there are suggestive questions like, did you enter the craft? You know, that's assuming that there is something to enter and assuming that it is a craft just want to interrupt
1: you for a moment here. This is an area where we had kind of a bone of contention with Dr. Jacobs. He maintains you can't lead a witness. You can't take him to an area where they're not going to go. You can't say what was on the other side of the door when they didn't see a door. You can't make them do that. According to him, the subject will simply say there was no door. Now, I realize a normal practice here would be to ask them questions but not lead them to make assumptions about something. So that's an area where Dr. Jacobs seems to part company with the traditional way this is done.
2: Well, um, my feeling is that he is incorrect on that.
1: Yes, I agree with you 100%. That was a point of contention we had when we interviewed him last.
2: I would have to look at his specific line of questioning to determine whether he was leading And also whether the person simply was uh, objectifying a fantasy to, uh, it is certainly true in hypnosis that there is an attempt made by the hypnotized person to be pleasing to the hypnotist. If you've ever watched a stage hypnotist cause people by suggestion to do embarrassing things through post-hypnotic suggestion, you know that they're trying to please the hypnotist, not themselves. And... The the net effect is to do something humiliating for the immune of the audience, which I find contemptible, not funny. Um, I have used hypnosis for purposes similar to this, but I, I do it with a grain of salt. In our final segment
1: of the show, we'll ask you about your hypnosis, about your experiences. I am also going to ask you whether you have taken any courses In terms of hypnotherapy or any kind of course with regard to hypnosis and as you can see alan greenfield has a wide range of subjects to talk about we're only scratching the surface here it's been several years since we've had him on the show but we've got to get him on again real soon all right by the way next week we'll be featuring dr kirby surprise to talk about synchronicity chris o'brien's on special assignment i'm gene steinberg He's Alan Greenfield. You're in the Paracast.
7: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNLive.com today.
5: Hi, I'm Rick Osick with Famous Footwear. Did you know that premature birth is the number one killer of babies? That's why we support the March of Dimes in the fight against premature birth. Join us in supporting cutting-edge research, treatment programs, and outreach to help moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Learn how you can
4: help save babies' lives at marchofdimes.org.
14: Why be held hostage by your wireless carrier for two years? What if you had no contract, no activation fees, no hidden costs, tracking, tracing, harvesting customer data, or draconian gimmicks? All on the nation's best 4G LTE network. Introducing PIX Wireless. Bring your phone and other qualifying devices to PIX and choose a plan starting at only $14 a month. Get connected now. Call or click 1-866-267-2056 or PIXwireless.com. Spelled P-I-X, wireless.com. Pick PIX and get connected today.
3: Hi, this is James Fox from Chasing UFOs. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: So I was going to ask Alan Greenfield before we broke and before he continued with his description of his hypnotic sessions. Have you taken training as a hypnotist? Are you self-taught what?
2: Well, I don't do hypnosis as a matter of course, but yes, I have had training in the past in that area. That's not my area of specialization. My special interests are in uh, a comparative religion, and the other things that I do, I do out of long interest in them you know, if you want credentials, my credentials are in those areas. I have some kind of certification in hypnotism, but it dates from the 1970s. And I don't do it very much, but I do understand the process. And I know that in reincarnation cases, for example, hypnotic cases, I find going all the way back to the Bridie Murphy case, which was the very, very popular case in the 1950s and led my father in his inimitable way to refer to my mother thereafter as Maggie Murphy. Don't ask me what the intent was there. There was some subliminal hostility, I think, involved. But in any case, the Bridie Murphy case uh, is probably based on imagination. And I believe it was um, Robert Graves who did an analysis in Playboy, of all places, that uh, showed the the greater plausibility of it being an imaginary experience, although sincere, done under hypnosis rather than an actual past life. But I make a great distinction because I think reincarnation is a reality between the spontaneous, mostly ch- early childhood cases that have been verified, of which there are thousands and many of them documented by um, the late Dr. Ian Stevenson and his successors now at the University of Virginia, those cases done under hypnosis. They're possible, but it's also possible that they are invented in one way or another, regardless of the training of the hypnotist. The Betty and Barney Hill case, UFO case, was done by a psychiatrist who had been trained in hypnosis, but used hypnosis. And I think there was a real experience in there, but I think there's also some dreamlike material that uh, is suggestive of the hypnotic process. I'd rather deal with what people can recall without hypnosis than what is recalled under hypnosis. It would have been hard to have two people remembering the same thing, except that uh, one of them talked in their sleep. So it is possible there was a transmigration of, of information that was fantasy there having said that i tend to think that the hill case was a legitimate abduction case Um, by legitimate
1: do you mean that they were taken away by et's or what
2: i don't think there are et's remember so i think they had the kind of experience that in a previous era would have been called a mystical experience a road to damascus experience an epiphany the details of epiphanies will vary from person to person. That's why the great world religions all start out with epiphanies by individual people and then diverge in certain ways, but which have certain common denominators among them. Uh, In the 1890s, a Canadian psychiatrist, Dr. Buck, documented many cases throughout history in a book called Cosmic Consciousness, and that has been followed up on, although not comprehensively, since that time by people like Aldous Huxley and a variety of others, and I think that 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 is a genuine phenomenon. William James, of course, in the variety of of religious experiences, focuses on that, and that is in my area of expertise, and it's something that has happened throughout history. You have an encounter with the what's-it, and then you translate it into the terms of the culture and circumstances of your own life. Some people draw religious conclusions from it. Some people draw political conclusions from it. And some people draw extraterrestrial conclusions from it. But just call it mystical experience and you're getting closer to the truth as to what it is.
1: All right. But everybody still wants to believe it's E.T.
2: Not everybody.
1: When I say everybody, the vast majority of people who look into UFOs believe E.T. E.T.
2: Because that's what they're told by the so-called experts repeatedly and with gusto. It blares out of the television. It came from books from pulp writers turned ufologists, like our old friend, the sainted, late, retired uh, Major Kehoe. From the earliest days of the UFO mystery, that has been the uh, paradigm that people have been presented with. So if that's all they're presented with, people are going to say, oh, yeah, this is, uh, I believe in life on other planets. That's your typical response from your typical guy on the streets of Philadelphia if you ask him about it, or I don't believe that there's life on other planets, so I don't believe there are any flying saucers. Those are not the only two possibilities, and those are the only two that are presented in mass media. So what we need to address is present some other alternatives and see where public consciousness goes. We're doing that right now.
1: Well, that's what this show is all about, to expand your horizons, to show the listeners that not everything is cut and dry. There are other possibilities out there. But where do Uh, you think this research is going to take us? We have a couple of minutes left, Alan Greenfield. Do you think we're reaching a point where science in general will recognize other realities in a way that the public understands that to be?
2: Yes, I think we're reaching actually... I think this will be reflected in fields like ufology, which are, you know, not central to scientific interest at this point in history, we'll say. But we are on the edge of a paradigm shift in science. It already has happened in the world of theoretical physics. Because it's such a bold paradigm shift, as bold as Einstein's paradigm shift at the turn of the uh, 20th century, I think that it will take quite some time and a lot of investigation before it becomes, well, we knew it all along, uh, sort of the sort of the way people cope with paradigm shifts. Um, but I think it's going to be a basic shift in our understanding of reality. And when that happens, I think that Ordinary people will, at some level, absorb it. And as a result of absorbing it, I think the uh, quality of the experiences will become clearer and we'll be able to investigate them with a uh, better set of tools in a context that will be more replicable than we have had following... uh, Chasing the flying saucers, to use Gray Barker's term, uh, as if they were aliens from Alpha Centauri or Beetlejuice or um, Aldebaran or wherever they are imagined to be. None of which, by the way, are good candidates.
1: We can go so much further with this, but we'll have to have Alan back again soon. It's been quite a while. We're just catching up. Alan Greenfield, could you tell our listeners where we can find more of the stuff you do?
2: I get asked that question. And I love it. You can certainly read my uh, current book, uh, The Complete Ride of Memphis. It's available from Amazon and probably other sources. But that's who sends me my royalty checks. It's uh, it's a look at the the occult aspects of this that probably a lot of your uh, listeners uh, are not acquainted with. There's also Angel Spells, which is a more down to earth uh, look at the same sort of material that I did with Tim Beckley and other good folks. But the best thing to do if you have a general interest in the sort of things that I am saying, and we've by no means gone from boundary to boundary on this, just look up my name. I've been on the internet since before it was the internet. If you just Google my name, Allen, A-L-L-E-N, Greenfield, G-R-E-E-N-F-I-E-L-D, you'll find a host of material about what I do, what I don't do, and pick and choose. That's the wonder of the Internet. You can find us on
1: Twitter. We're known as The Paracast. Look for The Paracast on Twitter. Look for The Paracast Fan Club on Facebook. Also, please check out The Paracast Plus. Go to plus.theparacast.com. P L U S.Theparacast.com. That's where we offer the ad free version of this show. 41 minutes of network ads are removed. Better quality audio. We also offer the exclusive After the Paracast podcast, and we got a great one this weekend with Chris O'Brien. We have a video channel with our first video up. We've got show transcripts, more features coming for a very modest month-to-month, annual five-year or lifetime subscription rate, free ebooks given for long-term subscriptions. You can't lose. Go to plus.theparacast.com, P-L-U-S. TheParacast.com. Alan Greenfield, thank you for joining us on The Paracast. My pleasure.
0: The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated.